Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Amy Wells. Thank you so much for joining us for the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Coach Mac, of course, is also here. Mac, how are you? I'm doing good, Amy. Doing great, just like everybody that's a Titans fan right now. We're all feeling good. This is a great, great feeling to be able to have an open date. It's hard to get. It's hard to get, especially now with this setup the way it is, where you only have one team out of each conference that gets a bye. You've got to work hard to get it. They worked hard to get it, and we are all enjoying it. The Tennessee Titans wrapped up the regular season at 12-5, and as you said, Mac. The only team in the AFC enjoying a bye right now. So you're either getting ready to play or you are done. So the Titans are in a good spot. But before we talk about that and what is to come for the Tennessee Titans, I want to take a minute and look back because the Tennessee Titans got the win over the Houston Texans in Houston, wrapped up the regular season with a victory. And in that game, we saw the Titans have a great first half of football. What did you see in those first two quarters that you liked so much? Well, first of all, let's just let's think about our, our neighbors at the north, you know, when they were playing a team in our division that they had to, had to beat to be able to have a chance to get in and all of a sudden got boat raced. So my reason for saying that is you can never take anybody for granted in this league and especially a division opponent right and that's what we were facing when we went in there at Houston Houston had beaten us in, in at home here we had not played well but whatever the circumstances were they had they had a win over us and so they had some confidence that they could beat uh, the Tennessee Titans again and there was a great representation of Titans fans down there. I thought that was outstanding. But but the first half, I mean, we started it out really well, and especially, you know, with David Culley making the, the decision erroneously that he made at the end of the half to give us another possession. And so when you're 21-0 to zero at half, you feel like you've got a pretty good chance if you can keep your foot on their neck going into the second half of boat racing them. And it didn't happen. And, I, you know, I – because the Titans had won the toss in the first half and they were going to get the ball in the second half, I thought they came out with a very good idea of trying to hit an explosive very early to put it up to a four-score game. Uh, when Tannehill missed Julio Jones, you just kind of started getting that feeling if you've been around this league enough. We may have given them just a little bit of an opening to hang around, and that's what happened in the in the second half. But the first half, you felt like that you really had control of it, especially scoring that touchdown right before the half to put you up 21-0. to zero. And uh, the second half, the third quarter, got a little dicey. Mac, it's so funny you say it that way because in my notes it literally says, in the third quarter things got a little dicey. Well, Does this mean that we are starting to talk the same? Well, it's it's because we both know what we're talking about. I mean, because we were both at the same game, right? I mean, I was doing it from the booth with Mike Keith. You were doing it on the field, on the sideline, and you just started getting that feeling that you're letting them stick around. And plus, Amy, they had nothing to lose. The Texans didn't. Right. And so they they came out, you know, we want to talk some little bit of football here. I mean, they came out and started spreading it out, went empty, and let the young quarterback, Davis Mills, stand back there and start throwing, which is what he can do. And all of a sudden, you know, you had a 36-year-old Danny Amendola that became uncoverable. 
and we had a problem. And the other thing was, is not only did we have a did we have a problem stopping them defensively in the third quarter, we went three and out three times in a row. So they were getting the ball back when they had the momentum. And as I say, as you and I both said, it got a little dicey. <laughs> I just think we're turning into the same person, and I'm very okay with that. I think that's cool. What do you take away from a game like that, a game that so clearly has – Two distinct halves, one that you want to keep and replicate and one that has some things that need to get fixed. You did what you had to do. And then that was the, that was the biggest thing because in the, at the end of the day, we did what we had to do as far as to, to put the game away. Now, I think really uh, the play that Ryan Tannehill made where he was like Lazarus raising from the dead, mm-hmm. you know, because Mike Keith called it, said he's buried. And he really was. You were on the field and saw it. I mean, he, he disappeared under the rush and all of a sudden came out of it and was able to find Nick Westbrook-Akina up the right sideline offensively for a 36-yard gain, which was the, the play of the game, the way the game had, had started out. Because, I mean, and really that play, uh, Amy, to me, and I think probably to our listeners, kind of encapsulated what this season has been, you know, being able to come back from some real obstacles and, you know, so we did what we had to do. And finally we got a stop. And then we got the four-minute offense working and were able to close the game out, which is what good teams do. Now, you would like to have, you know, stepped on their throat in the third quarter and made it to where guys were, were – the, the starters were watching in the fourth quarter, but that didn't happen. But they did what they had to do. And so the thing that it does do as a, as a coach looking at that – because you, you've accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish when the season was starting. You wanted the number one seed. And whether you were 12-5 and five or whether you were 15-2, and two, it didn't matter. The number one seed is the number one seed. And that was as, uh, the best that you could do. But the fact that they were able to come back and, and get it done, finish the job that, that they went down there to do, that's what I take out of it. Because the what you can do, there's, a, there's corrections that you can make off of that, but you know as well as I do, just the, the whole vibe and the feeling around this organization now is not one of overconfidence, but it's surely a feeling of confidence. And that's what this team has played with all year. This team, Amy, has stayed true to their DNA all year, regardless of who we've had playing. Mac, in this game, we saw Julio Jones get his first touchdown as a Titan. A.J. Brown had a touchdown. Anthony Ferkser had a touchdown. Finally, we were seeing our offensive playmakers do what we have been waiting for them to all collectively be doing, and that's make an impact in the game. Are we finally getting the Titans offense that we have been waiting for since August? Well, let's add in that this was the second game that the offensive line was together, starters as a whole, and the thing, the thing that we were missing, we're going to get back in the, in the big guy you know, back there. And so, yes, I mean, when this thing was all put together, this is what you could envision if everybody was healthy at the same time because it it matters who you have playing. Let's just say that. This team went through 91 players this year and really brought in even more than that uh, you know, that didn't that didn't have to play. You could probably say of 20 people we brought in that were on the roster that didn't have to play that were brand new to this team too. So what they went through personnel-wise was unprecedented. But starting out, yes, this is what you would envision 
if everyone would have stayed healthy or somewhat healthy, we were just very fortunate, Amy, and I think you and I both agree with this, and, and hopefully our million subscribers agree with this too. The fact that Ryan Tannehill was able to make every game was a huge plus for this football team because some teams in this league that lost their quarterback, their starting dude for a while, uh, were not able to fare as well as we did. All of the sudden, this team seems to have – their health, knock on wood. And it seems like that's one of the strengths of this Titans team as they go into the playoffs is that after this bye week, they could potentially have a pretty healthy roster. Well, they can have, they, they're going to have available roster, which is a plus. And the other thing that came out of this, Amy, was you have guys that have game experience now that helped you win games that you probably at the beginning of the season when we were in training camp, uh, you weren't counting on. That helps a lot too. Now hopefully we will have some – Mike Vrabel will have some decisions to make on game day as far as putting down healthy inactives rather than sometime during the season when we had no decision to make. It was already made for you because those people, we weren't healthy enough to play. And so that that's a big plus. But it's also a plus that you've had guys that have not only gotten experience but have, have you know, contributed. And, you know, just look at our two backs. Look at look at Foreman and Hilliard. You know, what they have done when they had to come in and, 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 play, and play when Henry was gone. I mean, all of a sudden now, these were guys that were on the street that were without a job that now have contributed to getting their team, their team, it's their team now too, to a, a first round buy. So those are a lot of good things. Nick Westbrook Aquina, how much did we talk about him during training camp? I can remember you and I and Mike Keith and Ashley Farrell being down there at Tampa Bay when we practiced against them and when we were doing all of our segments coming out of those practices daily, asking who looked good today. And we'd always say Nick Westbrook Aquina. Well, I think some people thought we were just saying that because A.J. and Julio weren't out there, so we had to say somebody. Well, we were saying it because he was doing well, and he's had a nice season for us. That's been big. Now put on your coaching hat, as if you ever take it off. How do you balance in a bye week where guys obviously need and deserve a bit of a break also doing some of that preparation stuff, not necessarily for your next opponent because you don't know who that's going to be, but doing some of that internal reflection, review, and cleanup that you now have the opportunity to do. How do you balance the two? Well, you put that very well, and that's exactly what what you do. It, it's, it's internal. You don't really – everybody needs rest right now. If we talk about the team being healthy, nobody's completely healthy right now after 18 weeks of National Football League football. But they, the rest that they get – and plus, Amy, I mean, you and I are no different than the team. That adrenaline shot that you get now propelling you into what this is getting ready to be, that heals up those bumps and bruises a lot quicker. It just does. It always has. It always will. But what they did, Mike Vrabel was, was very smart with it, as he, as he always is. You know, he talked about uh, having each player reflect on what they maybe could do better, one or two things, not just a massive overhaul, uh, and then see if it coincided with what he and the coaching staff thought. Work on that a little bit, but then give them time away. He gave them Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They're going to be gone, which is great. I mean, and they, they're going to be able to sit back with their families and watch the games, and, but just, just be able to woo-saw a little bit, decompress, which is really important going into this thing. So it's it's big, and you're right. You don't concentrate on one particular 
team. You concentrate on yourself. The people that are breaking down films for them have broken down the potential opponents. We've already played some of them. We haven't played Cincinnati. We haven't played the Raiders. They would have all had that stuff broken down. The other thing you you don't ever want to do, Amy, I mean, it's kind of like – getting ready to play after a bye week or it's like getting ready to play in an opener. You don't want to overburden your players because what? here's what you want to do. You want to give them just enough information so they can go out on a regular schedule and get ready. First and second down on Wednesday, you know, third down on Thursday, red zone on Friday, bring it all together. Uh, but if you start overburdening them, then all of a sudden you are slowing down their play because they don't need all that information. They need – bullet points they need pertinent information but you get a lot more information as a coach than you need to impart to your players there are some areas of this titans team where adjustments need to be made you said that each player is kind of individually doing that on a whole what's one or two things that the titans need to correct in this postseason they're doing a nice job of pressuring the quarterback you know what they'd like to be able to do is tighten their coverage up some i mean that's extremely important they've done a nice job offensively running the football i think they would like to incorporate now more that they've got everybody back together the this team is a pretty devastating offense when the play action pass from under center is working really well and for that to happen We've experienced it and how much people really come up and, and, and stack the box on us. We were able to stay with our DNA of running it, but people were really playing a little more coverage, you know, not thinking that we could just devastate them with a run game. You'll, you'll see – I think you'll see that coming back. And plus, we mentioned the offensive line, and it's no small thing. They've been together as a starting unit for two full games. Two full games. They still need to be able to, to coalesce and come together, you know, a little bit more. There's always things, always things that you can tweak. You know, it's never, it's never a perfect scenario in the National Football League getting a team ready to play. Let's talk about the games that are going to be happening this okay. weekend. The Tennessee Titans are not one of the teams that will be playing. They will be at home napping. <laughs> but there are games that are happening on Saturday, the earlier game at 3.30 Central Time is the Raiders and the Bengals, then Saturday night the Patriots and the Bills play, then on Sunday night Steelers and the Chiefs. In that group, is there a matchup that you are the most intrigued by? Raiders-Bengals. I've started to break down those teams just because we haven't played them. You know, I've watched you know, not, not an in-depth breakdown, but just kind of to find out who's who in the zoo in case that is one of our opponents. And that's going to be an interesting matchup because the Bengals can push the ball down the field and the Raiders can pressure with four really, really well. That, to me, is going to be a very, very interesting matchup. As a coach, when you're watching all of these games, or even do you watch these games? Oh, absolutely. Watch every one of them. I watch every one of them and take notes on every one of them like I do during the year. I mean, yeah, I've got a game-watching chart you do. I don't sit there with chips and dip. and just You have a chart? Hang. Sure. What kind of a chart? Well, to down distance, personnel, field position, score, decisions, when will they blitz, when they don't blitz, all of it. Do you do this all season? Yeah. Wait a minute, what? You do this all season? What do you think I do? I thought you just kept it in your brain. You just kind of watched it and logged it away. And well, you got Wait, it. you have an actual physical chart that you chart this stuff on? Well, sure, all the time. I mean, that's, that, that's how you do when you're coaching. You think when you're watching tape, it's coaching, you just sit there and watch it? Yeah. <laughs> well, wrong. I've been doing this for so long. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know there was a way you could chart it. Well, sure there is. I mean, you can and you can make up your own. I mean, people uh, – Every coach I've ever been around has their own different way they watch it, you know, whether they 
you can mark down down a distance and now you know you've got now the way that the, that the computers work they can break it down for you in so many ways but when you're physically sitting there watching it if if you're a coordinator yeah you will take friday when everybody's gone and just sit and go through a game and call it off of the off of you know take a game that you haven't watched against your opponent and call it off of the off of there and then chart and see if everything matches up to what your game plan looks like wow that's a tremendous amount of work well i mean if you want to do it right that's what you do i know a lot of times when i'm broadcasting i talk about goat roping and things like that but (laughs) there's a lot of football in there too there's a lot of football in there i didn't know you still did that because i watch games with you and you don't I mean, I guess there's other things going on. Like if you and I are sitting watching a ball game, like you're not charting it on a piece of paper, but there's also usually like external stimuli there. You're probably not as dialed in. That's 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. When I really watch a game, I like to be completely by, here's who I like with me when I'm watching the game, Coach Mack. Yeah. That's it. That's it? Yes. Oh, all right. Well, I'll remember that going forward. Well, I'll never tell you you can't watch the game with me. I'll just... Watch it again later Watch by it again yourself. later, yeah. <laughs> Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Mac, that was a treat for our million listeners because I think we all just learned something right there. But we have another treat. And that treat, I guess I should just tell you my line of thinking here. Okay. So... You and I had an interview that we did, and we loved it. It was a fantastic interview. We had such a good time during this conversation. But kind of through a series of unfortunate events, it ended up on the cutting room floor, and we never got a chance to use it. So I'm thinking now that because we are getting bonus football with the playoffs, we should also probably provide some bonus content in terms of a never before heard interview. I love it. I mean, absolutely. And it's and it's every interview we did was important because we vetted these people pretty hard and brought some really nice interviews to the Titans Amy Coach Mac one million subscribers that you won't get anywhere else. And so this was a good one. This was one this is one that's really, really close to my heart because and it's a good thing we're doing it for the playoffs because I experienced a huge playoff win with this guy as my dude under center. So here is our interview with former Arizona Cardinals and Denver Broncos quarterback, Jake the Snake Plummer. Coach Mack, I am so excited about this guest and This is just going to be a lot of fun. And I know usually I do a big bio, a big explanation of who they are and what they do. I'm not doing that today because I feel like we just need to get into it. So I'm just going to start off by saying our guest is Jake Plummer. He was an NFL quarterback for 10 years. He played for the Cardinals. He played for the Broncos. He was a standout quarterback at Arizona State. But there is so much more to Jake Plummer than just those things. And I didn't want to be the one to tell the story. I wanted him to tell the story. So Jake, thank you so much for being with us today. And we've got to start off at the very, very beginning. You've accomplished so many things, but we've got to go all the way back to high school. You grew up in a town of 50, like 5-0. Is that correct? Oh, no, no, not quite. First, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited anytime I get to talk to Coach Mack or anything involved with him. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be on the show. But uh, I did spend some time in a small little town when I was really young in Smiley Creek in the middle of the <laughs> Sawtooth Mountains. So that was maybe 50 people then. I went to 
school. My mom taught first through sixth grade. We rode the bus for 30 minutes. So I lived in the in the wilderness and that was really good roots to grow up with, good foundation for, you know, appreciation for nature and being okay with being by yourself outside and learning how to climb a tree, throw rocks, catch fish with your bare hand, fall off a rock, get back up and climb up it, you know. So that was that was my original beginnings uh there. And then I we did move to Boise, Idaho, which I know it used to be thought of as a podunk little city, but it was pretty big then and it's grown for sure in the last few years and uh, definitely a nice place to, to, to go to school and to be raised because I was able to play all three sports. In some places, you know, with a lot of lot of uh, student athletes, you know, it could have been tough where you had to pick and choose. But I was able to play all three, which uh, was, was sure the funnest time of my life, being able to play football, basketball, baseball, and then dabble in tennis, golf, handball, anything with a ball and a paddle or trampoline. I was all over it. <laughs> Jake, uh, you know, Amy started this off by saying she really didn't want a long introduction. And I could tell her, you don't really have to say much. All you have to say is the snake. And most yeah. e- most everybody knows. And, you know, I've told a few people, I said, hey, I'm, I'm, doing, a, I'm doing a podcast this week with uh, Jake. And the first words out of their mouth are the snake. And so yeah. <laughs> that to me is, uh, it, it's, it's so cool to talk to you. And uh, let, let's go a little bit more on that because being an all-around athlete like you were, what drove you to Arizona State? How did that all culminate? Tell us about that. First must say, you know, the snake, the original snake, you, you, you know who he was, Kenny Stabler. So. Well, absolutely. Uh, but let me just say this. You picked up the mantle of the snake very well, Jake. Uh, because thank if, you. Because if anybody of this generation hears the snake, they say, plumber go ahead uh-huh well i'm glad i'm glad that it's a good connotation not not a bad connotation with the snakes <laughs> uh, but yeah you know i i was raised with you know, two older brothers uh my mom uh, and dad they split when we were younger so i had a great mom that was really supportive of anything i wanted to do and be involved in as far as sports and athletics and i had two older brothers that would not allow for anything but the best because they were super competitive they pushed me uh, they wouldn't let me throw the little football when I was a kid. You know, I, I wanted to play with one I could hold on to myself. So I learned how to throw a, a full-size football when I was just a little guy without even wrapping my thumb around it. I could whip that thing. I could whip it sidearm, you know, as far as I could to keep up with my brothers. So, you know, when it came time to to, to narrow it down to what, what sport was going to be the one that could get me an education, football became that sport after going to the Stanford quarterback receiver camp and Bill Walsh was there, Terry Shea, some just legendary coaches. And I was able to stand out, you know, a a skinny little guy from a small town, Boise, Idaho, that wasn't a five-star blue chip recruit. Uh, I stood out and I set a record in a foot speed drill and I could throw the ball just as well as any of those other blue chippers. And so my name got out there and I started getting really recruited by a lot of teams, but the very first team to call me was Arizona State. And uh, Bobby Petrino, Danny Cazetto, they had ties to University of Idaho. So they had roots kind of in Idaho where they recruited and they were aware of me there. And they watched, uh, you know, some film. And from day one, when the first time they could call you on the phone, they called and, and offered me a full ride scholarship. Uh, along with a lot of other schools that were that were banging down the door and, and recruiting me, they were the only ones that from day one said, you have the scholarship if you want it. And then the main point to decide to go there was that no other coach instilled in me the confidence that Bruce Snyder did when he said these these few words, when he looked me in the eye in my living room in Boise and said, we're building something special at Arizona State. And if you are our quarterback, I believe we have the chance to be a national champion. 
And he was the only coach that had that much confidence in me. And ultimately that was why I went because when a coach like him, when they, they say that you want to go see what they got going on, they want to, you want to go see if they could pull it off. And, and sure enough, we, we came mere seconds away from winning the national title my senior year. So a, a big decision to be made by a young 18 year old at the time with support from my family, but no way, no, they weren't, you know, making me decide any way except wherever my heart was. And that's where it was down in the desert, which, you know, I'm a mountain boy, I, you know, trees and lakes and rivers and, and the, the desert is not like that, but I went down there and uh, I didn't look back. I ended up starting my freshman year and had a, a great learning experience through four years with some phenomenal coaches, Bobby Petrino, Hugh Jackson. You know, I was coached by some amazing, amazing coaches at a young age when I really needed it. And uh, it was that confidence that Bruce Snyder gave me. That's why I went there. With that confidence, I mean, he also wasn't kidding. You guys did have a lot of success out there. What kind of, was there a time, when did you realize that you could take this thing to the next level and really utilize that confidence that you had gained there and be successful in the NFL? You know, I wasn't too concerned with the NFL. I mean, that was a boyhood dream. That was something that I knew that, you know, maybe was something that could happen, but uh, knowing football and watching friends that have been injured and never played again and being, being in a game that is a rough sport that, you know, like I said, you, you might be there one day and, and rehab in the next. I knew that my best shot to do anything was to give every every ounce of effort and every little fabric of my soul to, to try to turn that team into a winner. And it was fun to go to Arizona State. I'd never heard of them. The only time I'd ever heard of the Sun Devils was when Jay Bradley got sent home by our teacher in the fourth grade. He got sent home by our teacher because he had a shirt that said Sun Devils. And she said, <laughs> you cannot wear that stuff in this school. It says the devil. And so he had to go home and change his shirt. And that was the only time I ever heard of the Sun Devils. <laughs> so so for me, I wanted to go down there and, and leave a mark. I wanted to go down there and not just be another QB that came through on a national title run with USC or with Florida State. I didn't just want to be another number, another guy to come through the door in this amazing program. I wanted to help build a program. And when we got down there, my confidence was high. I uh, I didn't. I went after not being the starter, but I earned the backup role in a competition with one of my best buds to this day still, Jason Verdugo, up here in Washington State. I got thrown into the game with a sprained ankle that I'd uh, suffered the week before on my first live action in the Pac-10 at the time. And uh, I didn't look back. I, I went and basically, you know, I stood up in the team meeting and, and got upset with the players because we lost a, a game to Cal that we should have won. And they were laughing and having a great time on the plane and playing cards. And some of them had snuck some alcohol onto the plane. And I'm like, this doesn't seem right to me. So I stood up as a true freshman and said, you know, we got a better team than this. And our seniors deserve to go out in style with them bowl game at least so I think we could do a lot better if we just focus and no one told me to do that I just I went there for the reason Bruce Snyder came to me and that was to try to win a national title and I didn't really know any better I was kind of I was kind of clueless and just spoke what, what I felt was in my heart and, and it resonated with the team so they they looked at me as their leader even though I was just a skinny 174 pound kid from Boise Idaho true freshman 18 years old it was a great question by Amy, and what a what an honest and, and beautiful answer. And let me just piggyback on that. Players gravitated to you because they could sense that you not only had confidence in yourself, you always had confidence in your teammates. And that was yeah. a great, great thing. You made a mark in the National Football League there. And I think that just exemplifies, you know, what, what you were about. And, that's, and then, you know, I had the privilege of being your head coach. 
you know, for a couple of years. And, and, and the snake was appropriate because you were going to do whatever it took to get the team over the top. And sometimes, let's just be honest, at the time, Jake, let me, you, know, you know who our receiver coach is here at the Titans now, right? It's Rob Moore. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cadillac. Cadillac. How about the time when you and Rob and I, there's no other head coach nor, nor standout NFL players that can say this on a Saturday before the game, before the vote came out to see whether we're going to build a new stadium, (laughs) Jake Plummer, Coach Mack, Rob Moore, door-to-door with a Fox television crew, waking people up, mothers coming with curlers in their hair, kids eating cereal, and saying, would you please come vote for this stadium? I tell people that story, and they can't believe it. So I said, Rob, tell these people here. And he says, Tell him the truth. So I'm asking you now, was that, is that the truth, Snake? Did we do that? It's a total truth. I, <laughs> I, uh, you just went through a gamut of a lot of stuff, and I, I appreciate your, your candidness about just who I was as a player. You know, my biggest attribute was that I never gave up on a play, and I always thought the best of my teammates, and sometimes that also was one of my biggest flaws. So all through it, though, I, I, I always worked my hardest, and, and I felt like, if I was the quarterback and I worked harder than anybody else, then it gave no one else an excuse to not do the same thing. So they kind of hated me at times when they wanted a day off working out in the off season. You know, I wouldn't come in on a Friday and half ass it and go home. I'd come in and go as hard as I could, or I'd go just how I knew how to go. And that was a hundred percent. So that would raise the level. And so that, that's how I made it through all those years. I mean, ASU, the Rose bowl was a phenomenal season being a Heisman candidate to represent my team. That team sent about, I think 18 guys off that the starting 22 spent some time in the league. Yes. So we, we, our, our coaches recruited well, but they coached us how to play ball too. A lot of them went on and had very good careers, long careers in the NFL, including myself. But to get drafted by the Cardinals, you know, it was it was interesting. I kind of at the time wanted to, wanted to try something new, go somewhere new. But then when I got drafted there, it made the the the, the assimilation process and the the move to the next level so much easier. I had a support staff. I had friends. I didn't have to move. And then getting there again, it was a chance to take a team that had not much respect, had no real rich history in the last 50 years to speak of, and was able to go in there with the right attitude, thrown in against Philly down on the two-yard line, you know, going in and saying to that huddle, let's go 98 yards right now, you know, you know, you mofos, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) With confidence and with cluelessness and with Larry Center sitting next to me, He's pulling his eyelid down, looking at me. And I said, did you get something in your eye? And he goes, no, baby, it's the eye of the tiger. <laughs> so, you know, they, they loved me for, for, the, for what you said, coach. They loved me for my kind of my, my cluelessness. I just was out there to, to play ball. You threw out a ball on a field in the middle of nowhere. I would have done the same thing as I did when I had my uniform on representing the Cardinals. And that season was amazing. The buildup to beating Dallas was what was really remarkable, the cardiac cards. I mean, we we went through three games there where we were down and out, some of it because of my play, but we were we never gave up. And that was something that that team embodied was just no matter what the score was, guys, let's let's keep fighting and clawing. And we had some phenomenal competitors, Kwame Lasseter, rest in peace, you know, Ronnie McKinnon, <laughs> you know, some amazing, amazing players that really uh, embodied, you know, what we were trying to do there. And, I say this all the time. I didn't win a Super Bowl ring, but that season was about as equitable as a Super Bowl championship to some teams as it was to the Cardinals because now they're still there. They're in that city. They have a beautiful stadium and a fan base now. And like Coach said, we we went around trumping. 
for the vote. Vote yes on 301. I remember standing the day of the vote <laughs> on a rock by the church, church down in the equestrian trail saying, vote yes on 301. And people are walking by going, oh, plumber, snake, what's up? What's up with you? Like, just vote yes. We need to stay here. You know, I mean, we worked not only on the field, but off of it in a political realm that you, when you think about, it, you don't see that very often now, but it was a lot of fun. I loved that team. I love, you know, you coach Mac were so fun to just be around day to day working and that staff we had, you know, we all loved and respected each other a lot. And that really is what made it so special. I've got to know what it is like playing for coach Mac. I know what it's like working with him as a broadcaster. I got to know what coach coach Mac is like. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that, that, uh, they embody the word coach. And I mean that not necessarily in all the positive ways you would think, but there are coaches that are like by the book and drive you. Well, coach was that kind of coach, but he was also so relatable and very, very much in tune with you as a person and as a human and could understand like, Hey, you know, you may be having a bad day or you had a bad day. Let's work through this. And his staff also embodied that because some coaches, like I said, they're coaches to the T and they're, they're, they're from that same DNA and they don't allow for any weakness. They don't allow for anything other than, you know, the, the best constantly. And, and Coach Mack, you know, what I, I can say about you is you made us feel like even when we had a bad day that we were still important and you still loved us and you still wanted to work with us. And uh, I'll, I'll share one other story. My, well, my best friend at the time, Ty Hamilton, who's still my best friend, he would come to the games. And Coach Mack met him, you know, once or twice after a game and Ty always says this, that it was crazy because he was standing outside of a game, outside of the ropes, couldn't get in to come see me. I was busy. And Coach Mack was like, hey, Ty, come here. And Ty's like, whoa, Coach Mack remembered who I was. Like, that's who you are, Coach. I mean, you you treated everybody the same. You treated everybody with love and respect. And so that's the kind of coach Coach Mack was when I played for him, a coach that you wanted to play hard for, a coach you wanted to do your best so that the success wasn't just for yourself, but was for everybody, including him. And uh those were some fun years. They were really hard. We let go of a lot of that team in 98. We lost a lot of real solid foundational yes. players that, you know, Jameer Miller, Lomas Brown, Larry Sinners. I mean, you go down the list of these guys that were really, that's why we did it in 98, that we let them go. But we still fought our asses off. We still fought hard. We still tried. And that was because coach instilled in us the belief that we did matter, that we were important, every one of us. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that. Jake, uh, you know, that, that's very kind of you. Uh, and I want to touch just a little bit on your on your on your your Denver career, because I remember, you know, as you said, the, the salary cap was was crushing us and they weren't going to bring back a lot of players. And then it got to that yep. point with you. You had a ch and I said, Jake, look, I, I'm telling you, if you get an opportunity, you need you need to explore these other other opportunities. And then I was so proud of you as to what you did and the way you went to Denver, because let's be honest, going to Denver as a quarterback when you did. All right. I mean, it's hard to follow in the footsteps of Elway. Right. I mean, because that's, oh, yeah. that's what it is out there. But you made your mark out there. And I was so proud of you in that part of your career. Well, thank you. I never really ever set out to follow anyone's footsteps. I right. To kind of make my own. And obviously Elway's legend and now Manning's legend lives there so grandiose. You know, I'm, I embraced it. You know, I, I was excited to go to a team that was all about winning and focused on the players and legitimately building a, a championship contender every year. And uh, it was hard to leave the Valley, but at, at the time of my career, it was the right time and the right place to go. And we, we came close. You know, 05 was a great year. We almost made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, as AFC champs, we lost to Pittsburgh at, at home, which was, 
it was hard. That was not devastating, but at the time it was a tough loss to take because that was my boyhood dream. The reason I was doing what I was doing and putting myself through all the, the aches and pains and all the, <laughs> the media wanting to scrutinize you over everything. And that's why I did it was to win that Super Bowl. So to come that close and not get it was tough, but it was all right. I, I was never one that was going to play until I couldn't walk anymore. I wanted to go on, uh, you know, after my career and do fun things like I still am doing now having my, my brain intact, my body intact and able to be active. But gosh, Denver was a fun place to go. You know, we, we, we had a team of, of, of extremely foundational, you know, smart veterans that knew how to come to work, knew what to take care of. And, and we were provided for as a team, you know, anything we needed, we got it from Mr. Bolin. And uh, it was not a stark contrast, but a lot different than in Arizona where, you know, you know it was just not quite the same spending wise on the players. And uh, for me, it was an exciting time. Uh, again, a chance to go play for Shanahan and kind of see what it feels like to go 13 and three a couple times. It was a lot of fun. You made your mark there, Snake. You made your mark. <laughs> Not an easy place to do it. They, they are right. still searching for a guy. And uh, at the time, you know, they cast me out after four years. But now they look back and they're like, damn, you know, we had a pretty good one. Snake was here. It's uh, what right. they've gone through. And it was just, you know, for me, again, I was kind of clueless. Uh, I went into it. That was kind of, you know, my, my MO was not clueless to myself and who I was and what I was doing, but just clueless to the whole, you know, the, the, the norms that had been set down by the years of the league. You know, I, I did things that I felt were right for my team. And that, that may have been, you know, pushing them harder to go through workouts on a Friday, or it may have been, you know, coming out in a jockstrap, high white socks, and just my helmet on and, and asking them what time, what's the weather like outside when it was cold out? You know, is this going to be warm enough? I mean, doing the things that kept them light, kept them, you know, not so serious. This game can get so serious and it is, it's, it's, it's people's livelihoods, but you got to have some bit of uh, levity there. And that's what I was always able to bring and hopefully, you know, keep the guys a little bit loose. <laughs> Well, from start to finish, you really had your career on your terms. Looking back on it, that's got to be something you're really proud of, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen a lot. A lot of players leave the league with a sour taste because uh, they're said you're, you know, you're too slow, you're not good enough anymore, and they get replaced by a younger, faster version that's cheaper. And I was able to walk away from the game, literally just, I say run away because I still had my, my ankles and knees and, and body intact. Um, but that was one reason why I did leave because – I was feeling the effects of, you know, the game, taking anti-inflammatories, the, the stiffness in my joints, the, the headaches, the grinding my teeth from nerves and anxiety, and uh, even socially, just the expectations put on you as a quarterback in the face of a franchise, it, it was getting pretty heavy. So when I left, it was on my own terms for my own sanity, really, to be able to go on with my life, to live a better life, do the things I was always wanting to do, but sometimes I couldn't because of priorities with my profession. And, you know, like I say, I, I, I never asked for millions of dollars. They were the ones that were going to pay me that. I was able to go and play for whatever they were giving me, but my agent was able to fight for a whole lot more. And, you know, hey, thankfully, I, I played through a couple contracts that have set me up to, to live a pretty good life, to live a very good life and to help others around me. And uh, I have no regrets. I, I'm glad I left the game when I did and feel like I gave it my all and that's all I ever was trying to do. Well, and now here you are, and you've got a whole new business venture that helps a lot of the younger generation of football players. Tell me about your new company a little bit. Yeah, thank you for asking. You know, Ready List Sports, it's, uh, it's really the brainchild of Chad Treehoff, a kid out of Colorado School of Mines that I met in Denver in 05 in camp. And he came back to me with this concept to utilize multiple learning styles to help players 
really digest nomenclature terms and depths and names of all the plays that you know he was forced to learn there in the NFL. We have a playbook that has some 700 plays in it. Yet in a game, you only get to run you know maybe 70 to 80 plays, but you got to know all of them. And they change from team to team, and you, what you call it one team has changed to a different name at another team. So we created this tool that was first made for the players, so they could learn in an efficient manner their offensive, defensive playbook, whatever it was. And it's morphed into really a, a phenomenal drawing tool that, that hands down is the best in the, on the market. And we've signed recently the Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers. So we're excited to see how it works with them and get the feedback from them. But we are poised and ready as we start another raise to, to finish up the, the, the developing the things we know these coaches want now, not just what we think they want, but we actually have gotten feedback from some of the best in the game to create really a, a one-stop shop for, for everything, to be able to present your, your offense, your defense, your special teams, and have your kids then be able to study a playbook. And then on the back end of that, have auto-generated tests that they can take. And it, you know, all the data points, all the buttons that are pushed are, are captured so that coaches can see, you know, hey, these guys are getting this, or wait a sec, these guys are struggling here. Let's focus our practice and our time together on these concepts. So you just make things more efficient in today's world where, you know, the 24-hour clock seems to be getting shorter as we as we get more and more on our plates. You know, we're trying to just ease the stress of learning a playbook and also uh, of implementing one and giving it out to the teams and your players. And we're, we're coming along. We got a really phenomenal tool, and it's been a lot of fun to get back in touch with old coaches like you, Coach Mack, and, and really a lot of my old coaches and teammates that are now coaching and just to rekindle some of those uh, glory days. At the Combine, when we were still having Combines up there in person, you brought me in for the first presentation of this, and I was I was yep. so impressed. And I know that was just the first generation of it, and it has morphed into something that I think is going to be fabulous. And it's not only yep. – I mean, you mentioned the Cowboys, you mentioned the 49ers, but for everybody that's listening to us, I mean, it's not only for – them. it could be in the high schools too. I mean, it could be used oh, yeah. in, in, in universities. I mean – uh, let me just say this, Snake. Anything you've ever been involved with has been really good, and this is going to be a, this is going to be another one of them. I'm very, very proud of you. Very proud of you. Well, thank you, Coach. You know, actually, you, you left out flag football because we're going all the way down to like five on five flag with eight year olds, and then wow, I love that parents that are trying to coach parents who've never coached. We got a preloaded playbook. You can go on and and download a, a playbook that's already there for you that you give to your kids. And, you know, we're not trying to turn eight-year-olds into Peyton Mannings. We just want them to go out and have fun and know where they're going because the game is fun when you know what you're doing. And it can get, it can get a little bit out of whack when you don't know what you're doing and coaches are yelling at you. So we're just trying to make that experience better all around from top to bottom. What a very cool tool. What a very, very cool uh, concept, Snake. It really is. Uh, thank you. Oh, man. Jake, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Yeah. This has been so much fun and I know you've got a million things going on so we're going to let you get back to your life but thank you thank you thank you for taking some time to talk to us we look forward to seeing ready list sports all over the place and just yes. catching up it's always nice to talk to you awesome hey it's always a pleasure uh, to, to share my story and, and anytime coach Mack I get to hear your voice talk to you it's always a joy so you I'll be floating uh, light, a little lighter today and uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. Thank you. Snake, thank you. Love you, brother. See you, man. Love you too, man. Mac, 
That was awesome. I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to bring that to the people because what a cool dude. No, that, that, and you know what you said? That's, that's two perfect words to describe Jake. I mean, he is a cool dude. Always was and, and still is now. Very unique guy. Very unique, and, and but, you know, a really, really good football player and an excellent, excellent leader as a quarterback. That's one thing that you have to have in, in your quarterback regardless of what his personality is. The guys have to believe in him and have to want to follow him. Jake the Snake has been that his whole career. I was really fortunate to be able to coach Jake, be with Jake, still a very close friend of mine, uh, and I'm so glad that we were able to do that with him. Well, and he doesn't do interviews very often. Not at so all. So it was a very big deal that he took the He time does interviews to for two things. He'll do interviews for me and you, as he did, and then any time for the Pat Tillman Foundation. Those are the two times that he does it. Other than that, he kind of is in his place in Idaho and chilling. Yep, yep. So thank you to Jake for taking the time to talk to us. Absolute treat. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now, a little update on the old bobblehead front. Oh, I'm so excited about playoff bobbleheads. To everybody who responded on Instagram, used the code word, liked, subscribed, did all of the things we asked you to do, thank you so much. No, absolutely. We love it. We love hearing from you. We love interacting with you. We love it so much. If you'll remember, Mac, I didn't specify how many we were going to give away. I'm sad we don't have a million of them. Well, we don't have a million of them, but we did have some. Okay. And I figured for the playoffs, we should go with a number that is like, you know, more than two, <laughs> um, maybe even more than five, more than 10. I'm liking but this. Like, but 15 felt like too many. So we're not doing 15, but like 13 felt like a good number. Well, that is, that, that's perfect. I think you are completely right about that and that makes me very excited so watch your inboxes guys we will be sliding into your dms to let you know that you are the winner of one of the 13 coach mac or titans amy bobbleheads it's a little little grab bag perfect but thank you to everybody who interacted with us it's so good to see you guys and hear from you and uh, we hope to do more of it soon i'm just sad we don't have a million well, I mean, we can work on it. We can. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know where they come from. So yeah. it might have to put the bobblehead factory into overdrive to make up a million, but we'll get it. How many other bobbleheads could they really be making? Like None. Exactly. Mac, do you have anything to add before we take a little bi-week break? Well, I just, I mean, this is such a, an exciting time. This is what you work for, and this is why you're in the business, and this is why you're a fan. Uh, I'd like to give, I'd like to really acknowledge the fans that were down there at in Houston. We had so much fun down there just watching them in the stadium. And then uh, you and I and Mike Keith and Ashley Farrell flew back on a on a Titans flight. It, it seemed like we we took Hobby Airport over. Right. We took Southwest Airlines over. And then, I mean, it was such a great thing, the interaction with those people down there in the in, in in Hobby waiting for our flight and then flying back on it. I give you major kudos because you and I sat together, and I told you when we got on there, it was such a, a, a great feeling that I wanted to, to go ask the flight attendant if I could have the microphone and get up there and say on a scale of 1 to 10, and you said, Coach Mac, please don't. You it'll, cannot. You said it'll cause a riot. It would. It'll cause a riot on the airlines, and we don't want to get thrown off. But that was a great, great evening flying back with all of those Titans season ticket holders, all the Titans fans that were there, and 
I'm just so happy that we're getting ready for some really more exciting times. At Nissan Stadium, completely sold out. Sold out for two games because Titans fans are expecting some big things. Well, and that's the thing. There will be no more celebrations on flights for a couple weeks because we're going to be right here at home. Come on out to Nissan Stadium. These games are going to be absolutely bananas. Um, I'm so excited. There's nothing like playoff football, and especially here in Nashville where we know how to do it right. This is going to be an awesome, awesome time. But everybody enjoy your bye weekend right now. Watch some football. Take a load off. Nothing stressful for the Tennessee Titans. We will be back at it next week, and we cannot wait to see you there as we get going. For Coach Mac, I am Titans Amy. Thank you so much for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.